Hi, this is this is Joe. Can anybody hear me? Oh. 
Good morning, and welcome to the Washington Ethical Society. My name is Perry Bider. My pronouns are he and him, and I'm the officiant today. WES is one community unified across time and space, gathering for these Sunday platforms to affirm our values and commit to a better world. I want to welcome those of you who are here in the hall, those who are watching now on Zoom, and those who are catching the recording later. If you are on Zoom, please check the chat for a welcome and various tips from Joe Klein, today's Zoom chat usher. If you're here in the hall and would like an assistive listening device, please ask the sound team at the back. If you are visiting here in person, please stop by the welcome table after platform today to speak to a greeter or to our membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas. Those of you who are visiting online now or later, we invite you to send an email to Maceo at M-A-C-E-O-T at ethicalsociety.org or to fill out a connection form, which you can find at tiny.cc slash I will now check the Zoom chat to see who's attending remotely this morning. Hmm. Okay, well, either I'm frozen or, oh, here we go. All right, good morning from Laura DeShulo and Sarah Morris. Uh, oh, and Joe says, apologies, we just got the chat working. Okay, well, that would explain it. 
Well, um, I will move on and we will let the uh, remote attendees say hello to each other. Well, okay. All right. In any case, it is good to connect and share this time together. Opening words this morning are from Julia Cameron in The Artist's Way, A Spiritual Path to Higher Creativity. Serious art is born from serious play. Someone who exemplified the spirit of serious art and play was Harry Belafonte, who passed away two weeks ago today. I invite you now to sing along with today's opening song, Turn the World Around, which he wrote with Robert Friedman. This recording is by Sarah Gibian, Laura Weiss, and others from the UU Congregation of Fairfax. drink coffee, but I imagine that was kind of like a shot of espresso. Each week we read our statement of purpose as a reminder of our shared values. Today's reader will be Abby Dakin, who serves on the board and is also one of our main slide artists. And I believe Abby will have something uh, additional she wants to tell us. Abby? Hi, I'm also here because I wanted to make sure everybody knows about the um, upcoming Memorial Day camping trip. It is back. 
So if you're interested in spending the weekend hanging out with your fellow Wessies, uh, please go ahead and sign up. Robin sent out an email. It's also on the West Facebook page. And if you're not somebody who camps and you need help feeling comfortable, having the stuff, all of that stuff, please reach out. We'll be happy to help. The Washington Ethical Society is a humanistic congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in the human spirit. With faith in human goodness, we appreciate each person's unique capabilities. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other through life. We nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other and the earth. We warmly invite you to join our community of children and adults as we work for a world where love and justice cross all borders. Thank you, Abby. I hasten to add that you don't have to have an event to plug in order to read the Statement of Purpose. All you have to do is go to tiny.cc slash readSOP, or if you get here early enough on Sunday, you can just go up to the officiant and say, I'm finally going to do it. It's my turn. Anyway, um, I invite you now to join in our candle lighting words as Abby lights our community candle. May we kindle within us the warmth of compassion, the light of understanding, and the fire of commitment to build a brighter future for all. Thank you, Abby. Our topic today is Unlocking Creativity. Here to read a story about the creative process is Wes's senior leader, Casey Slack. Thanks, Perry. Today's Time for All Ages story is The Most Magnificent Thing, written and illustrated by Ashley Spires. This is a regular girl and her best friend in the whole wide world. They do all kinds of things together. They race, they eat, they explore, they relax. She makes things, he unmakes things. One day, the girl has a wonderful idea. She is going to make the most magnificent thing. She knows just how it will look. She knows just how it will work. All she has to do is make it. She makes things all the time. Easy peasy. First, she hires an assistant. Next, they gather their supplies. They set up somewhere out of the way and get to work. The girl tinkers and hammers and measures while her assistant punces and growls and chews. When she is finished, she steps back to admire her work. She walks around one side, her assistant examines the other side. It doesn't look right. Her assistant picks it up and gives it a shake. It doesn't feel right either. They are shocked to discover that the thing isn't magnificent or good. 
It isn't even kind of sort of okay. It is all wrong. The girl tosses it aside and gives it another go. She smooths and wrenches and fiddles. Her assistant circles and tugs and wags. When she is finished, she stands up and takes a long look at it. Her assistant gives it a nudge with his paw. The thing is still wrong. She decides to try again. The girl saws and glues and adjusts. She stands and examines and stares. She twists and tweaks and fastens. She fixes and straightens and studies. She tries all different ways to make it better. She makes it square. She makes it round. She gives it legs. She adds antenna. She makes it fuzzy. She makes it long, short, rough, smooth, big, small. One even smells of stinky cheese. But none of them are magnificent. Her hard work attracts a few admirers, but they don't understand. They can't see the magnificent thing she has in her mind. She gets mad. Anybody else get mad when stuff doesn't work out? <laughs> the angrier she gets, the faster she works. She smashes pieces into shapes. She jams parts together. She pummels the little bits in. Her hands feel too big to work, and her brain is too full of all the not right things. If only the thing would just work. Crunch. The pain starts in her finger. It rushes up to her brain, and she explodes. It is not her finest moment. I'm no good at this. I quit. Her assistant suggests a walk. It's not much help at first, but before long, she starts to feel different. Bit by bit, the mad gets pushed out of her head. As they stroll along, she comes across the first wrong thing she made. The bad feelings are about to start all over again, and then she notices something surprising. There are some parts of the wrong thing that are really quite right. The bolts on one, the shape of another, the wheel to seat ratio of the next. There are all sorts of parts that she likes. By the time she reaches the end of the trail, she finally knows how to make the thing magnificent. She gets to work. She works carefully and slowly, tinkering, hammering, twisting, fiddling, gluing, painting. Her assistant makes sure there are no distractions. Other people find value in the things that she's made. This is the perfect thing to ward off bears. This will stop that leak. This one's all wet. The afternoon fades into evening, and finally she finishes. She alerts her assistant. The pair take a good long look. It leans a little to the left, and it's a bit heavier than expected. The color could use a little bit of work, too. But it is just what she wanted. They climb aboard and take it for a spin. They are not disappointed.
It really is the most magnificent thing. As we continue our time together, I hope you'll reflect on this story about how sometimes making a magnificent thing takes some trial and error, but sometimes if we get too spun up, we forget how to make the beautiful thing that we wanted to make in the first place. Thank you. Thank you, Casey. Let us now enter into the centering time of our platform. Each week, we ring this chime in solidarity with people around the world. Today, I am particularly mindful of the members of the Writers Guild of America, the people who create the scripts for our film, TV, radio, and streaming shows, currently on strike to protect their livelihoods. As we listen to the chime, let us remember our connection to each other and the world around us. Let us open our hearts to compassion for those who suffer. And let us commit ourselves to the work that calls for our love. I invite you now into a time of meditation. I suggest you start by getting as comfortable as you can in your seat, wherever you are. If you need to stretch something that's tight, please do so. Aware of people in your immediate vicinity. And join with me in taking a nourishing, comfortably deep breath. And another. As you continue breathing, you might want to close your eyes or soften your gaze. I invite you to revisit an experience you had of creating something. How did it come about? What did it feel like? If no particular experience is coming to mind, that's fine. Just let yourself imagine a possible future experience when your hands or your spirit get the chance to create something. We continue the meditation in silence and then in music.
Today's reading is My Dreams, They Matter by Roddy Bell Shelton Biggs. Though at times I may forget who I am or who becoming, my dreams, they matter. When I make space for all that is, when I move away from that which no longer serves me, when I make space for the new possibility in the circumstances, my dreams do matter. They matter. They hold many truths and many turning points. They matter, though at times I may convince myself they don't. They do. For they call me back in time and forward still. My dreams matter. 
They matter as they pull me inward and yet simultaneously push me outside of myself. My dreams matter. They matter as they speak to the breath of love, of pain, of hope that rests deep in the fabric of my blood and bones. My dreams matter as they are connected to the dreams of my ancestors, connected to all who have graced this earth before, who grace it here and now, and will be connected to all who grace this earth when I, when we, grace this place no more. My dreams, they matter. Your dreams, they matter. Our dreams, they matter. They matter. It's my pleasure now to turn the lectern back to KC Slack for their platform address. Our dreams matter. Your dreams matter. Are actually vital to finding a future. Our dreams matter so much, and yet we attend to them very little. Maybe we attend to a dream if it is a dream job, if it is a dream accomplishment, if it's something that later we can put on our CV, I speak as a person still being employed, if it is something that we can show off to our friends later, if it is something we can say we got done. We are a society that likes to accomplish things. We like to finish things so much that sometimes we announce things finished well before they in fact are. Things like wars and pandemics. We like to get stuff done, but we don't like to leave ourselves space to dream. We actually really like as a society to squeeze the ability to dream out of one another to make things so fast-paced, so stressful, that nobody could hope to have time to dream. Well, nobody but those of us who sit upon hordes of wealth. Things are really hard and stressful in the world that we live in. They are hard and stressful in ways that narrow our capacity to see the world, to experience one another. Hard and stressful in a way that encourages us to see one another not as whole people, but as objects and obstacles, things in each other's way or on each other's teams. Some of this is what our brains do in response to stress. A stressed out brain, a stressed out nervous system is sensitive. 
is often pushed into its fight or flight stage, is reactive, is defensive. There's a saying that if all you have is a hammer, all you're gonna see are nails. And we get like that. So used to one type of responding to each other. So used to conversations that are actually fights that someone's picking with us, that we respond to every bit of disagreement as if it were an invitation to fight. I don't know about you, but my personal worn out nervous system really wants to fight all the time. It takes a lot of work for me to remember that not everything is an invitation to fight, that I'm not gonna get where I would like to go if I respond to every instance of disagreement as if it's time to throw down. I would like to. When I was younger, I did a lot. I have left entire social media platforms so that I would stop fighting with people I didn't need to fight with. I used to spend way too much time getting into fights on Reddit. That's a long time ago. Reddit is a like message board type social media site, uh, which is like primed for causing people to get into fights. I had to completely quit using that website more than a decade ago so that I would stop trying to have a fight whenever I got bored. And then I had to teach myself to use Twitter and Facebook differently because I was finding fights there too. They're easy to find. It's not like I was like doing a lot of work to figure out where the fights were, but I would find anything. And those platforms encourage that, right? In fact, that's how they make their money because engagement is engagement. Whether it's positive or negative, they don't really care. And nothing pushes the numbers up like controversy. Nothing makes the algorithm happy like something that causes people to fight. For a while, the way that I used Twitter was basically to go on Twitter, find something I found objectionable, and then yell about it for a while. And I thought I was helping myself. I thought this was a valve for my aggression. It wasn't. It was simply stacking my desire to fight on top of itself, causing me to see people, actual people on the other end of keyboards, as just objects for me to work out whatever was going on with me on. Now, I maintain that in many of these situations, I was right and they were wrong. However, I probably didn't need to publicly dress down a number of strangers. I don't know that that really got me anywhere. It got me more Twitter followers than I really wish I had, but, I don't know that it got me anywhere. I don't know that it got the world anywhere. Now, if you've been around for a while, if you've been listening to me for a while, you'll know that I do think that sometimes it's important to fight. 
that I am not afraid to have a difficult conversation and that I do in fact think that sometimes you probably need to punch someone. But not all the time. And you don't need to seek out fights or stuff that makes you feel bad. Seeking out stuff that makes me feel bad is one that I'm still fighting with. I've gotten pretty good at avoiding causing fights on the internet. However, as I have given up on public responses, I have developed a reading the comments problem. Don't, don't do it. Do not read the comments on anything. <laughs> there is no time and place where the comments are worth your energy, and yet, I will see on Twitter something transphobic happened, and I will follow the comments. Why? Why am I doing this? Why do we do things like this? Because you all giggled too much to not be familiar. <laughs> There's like an itch, right? Something that feels right about feeling upset. A habit that we're in where we feel bad and that feels comfortable and so we just keep doing it. It's the same basic thing that keeps people in abusive relationships that causes people who have been abused in relationships or in childhood to seek out people with similar behaviors to their abusers when they are finding friends and partners later in life. If you learn that how you're supposed to feel is bad, you will find ways to feel bad. But maybe you're not supposed to feel bad. I know, radical proposition. Maybe you're not supposed to feel bad. Maybe it's supposed to be nice to be alive. Hell, forget about supposed to be. Maybe we could feel nice. Maybe we could have a good time. But we're not having a good time as a population, and so here we are, stuck in between maybe we could and what is happening. And what is happening is a level of stress that is narrowing our interactions with each other. A level of stress and a way of communication everywhere. That is getting rid of our ability to see each other as people. To care for people who are really having a hard time. You can hear that in any big city's conversation about homelessness. Homelessness in San Francisco, in Los Angeles, in New York, in Washington, D.C., in Atlanta, in Houston, in Cleveland, for that, is treated as a problem of aesthetics. I don't want to see that. Not, I am angry that I live in a society that allows this, right? You find bizarre things, like rainbow-colored boulders in every enclave in the Castro where a person could conceivably sleep. The Castro, famously a place where queer people who couldn't live anywhere went to live and lived on the street to get by. People whose desire to have a nice park to walk their dog in supersedes any care they have for the people stuck sleeping there, as though those people are a problem, 
rather than people experiencing the symptoms of some real big problems. We saw a pretty severe escalation of this recently when Jordan Neely, a mentally ill young man in New York who had been experiencing homelessness for quite a long time, caused a little bit of trouble on a train. He was yelling about how he would be better off in prison than homeless, which is quite the indictment of the system, when someone decided he needed to be restrained. That someone, a former Marine, put him in a chokehold for 15 minutes, and he died. He died is an understatement. He was murdered in public. He was lynched, to be completely honest, for being young and black and mentally ill and loud in public. How different that could have been with just a little more imagination. How different if people were not walking around seeing each other as nails and themselves as hammers, as enforcers of a norm. How different if we saw each other as people and reached out to each other as people. If somebody had said, hey man, that really sucks, can I get you some lunch? Hey man, that really sucks. You want to talk for a minute? It's really hard. I'm having a hard time. Are you having a hard time? Yeah. It's hard. It's a hard minute to be anyone at all. My conviction is that we need creativity to get out of it. Whatever it is, creativity is the way out. Whether it is the way that our society works, whether it is the way in which budgeting in a congregation works, whether it is the way in which our own interpersonal stuff is going at this moment. We need some space to be creative, to imagine something else. It is easy to get stuck in how it is and how it's been. Easy to get stuck in this loop and to justify really bad behavior because we don't feel good. You need to have fun. You need to play. You need space for your mind to wander. We all need that, actually. When you think about labor organizing's slogan of eight hours for work, eight hours for sleep, eight hours for what we will, how many working people do not currently get eight hours for what we will? How many working people and retired people and people serving their communities in other ways get eight to 10 hours for work? six hours for sleep, and then some number of hours for dissociating. I'll be really honest, that's my life a lot of the time. 
I work mm, six to 10 hours on a given day, six days of the week. When I'm done, I don't have a lot of space left for the things that I might like to do. When I'm done, it is often Caitlin and I sitting on the couch, watching something that we are not seeing, scrolling in the phone at the same time, trying desperately not to have any thoughts or feelings whatsoever, because we are tired. Brain is tired. Maybe you do something similar, maybe not. Maybe you have better coping habits than I do at this moment. I love that for you, if that's true. But if you don't, know that you're not alone. Know that it takes practice, actually, to figure out how to do something else, how to let yourself have some space. When I think about playing games in my phone, I always think about the way in which that is poised as the ultimate distraction and the purview of the millennial and the Gen Z, as if almost everybody doesn't look at their phone immediately whenever they sit down anywhere. As if I haven't seen Gen X and boomers in their phone playing a game on Facebook. We all do the same things. The games, however, the games might be more useful than we realize. There are some studies about Tetris in particular. Tetris and trauma is a whole field of study right now. One of the first pieces in this is a 2018 piece from the Journal of Consulting and Clinical Psychology titled Reducing Intrusive Memories of Trauma Using a Visuospatial Interface Intervention with Inpatients with Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder a lot of words to say. What they think they found and what studies keep showing is that if you play Tetris in specific, but all of the like matching stuff games seem to work too, while you are experiencing something traumatic or while you are experiencing flashbacks to something traumatic, it helps your brain get out of that loop. That's wild, right? It is possible that you should be playing Tetris while you're watching the news. It is possible that you should be playing Tetris more, just in general. These studies were done initially on veterans with PTSD. The clearest cases of PTSD we're familiar with. And they show over and over again I did a little, bit, little bitty lit review yesterday. We're at four or five studies now that show that playing Tetris or some kind of matching game gives your brain an opportunity to do something else. Because it's repetitive, because it's visual stimulation, because you think about it, but you don't really think about it. I play a lot of solitaire, and I notice that when I'm playing solitaire, I'm thinking about it, but what has happened is that the, the cards have taken on characters, and I'm sort of telling myself a little story about how they come to be together. It gives my brain a little extra space. It happens the same for me when I play Tetris. Maybe my brain is given to making stories out of things. Whatever the case may be, your brain probably does something pretty interesting with that experience, too. 
another big area of study on how do we increase our creativity and how do we deal with our traumatized brains. And let me be clear, even if you have no specific diagnosis of trauma, if nothing big and notable ever happened to you, you've incurred some trauma from living in a society that lets people live on the streets, that lets children die in schools, that lets people be hungry and alone. You experience some trauma from living in a, in a society where the, the CDC just announced that loneliness, loneliness is a significant health concern in the United States. So you've got a little bit of trauma in you just from living here, much less whatever else has happened in your own life. And one area of therapy that is really interesting to me and that is kind of interesting in the world of people who don't do psychiatry but do trauma healing, slightly different things, and that is art therapy specifically something called neurographic art. Neurographic art is just a fancy word for art that you are doing without really thinking about it. Art where the point is that you and whatever medium you are using are in a flow state together. Art that is about shapes and colors more than it is form that is about the experience of doing it more than it is about the finished product. This kind of art is a practice in making mistakes and then having those mistakes wind up beautiful, of not being in control, but still being in the process of trying and failing and trying again and not being too terribly worried about if you did it just right, if it's the exact thing you wanted to make. Giving yourself an opportunity to make something and then make something and then make something and then make something, and maybe after all of those things, decide on something that you really wanna make. It helps us be more flexible Right? When we're stressed out, when we're in our fight or flight state, we are not flexible, we are rigid. So this helps us bring ourselves down a little bit, make ourselves a little more flexy. And there are a lot of ways that you can do this kind of art. I actually follow someone on TikTok who does almost exclusively various examples of ways you could do neurographic art. And I think we've got one of those videos for you right now.
So after platform today, I have a little bit of neurographic art that we can do in collaboration. Yesterday, I made a bunch of uh, glue and black acrylic paint and put it on paper. And then this morning, Caitlin cut it into little quarter-sized sheets because they were big sheets. And we've got some watercolors. And we've got about 20 of those already made. So if you come and join us in the social hall real quick before our wonderful mutual aid presentation, or at the same time, whatever, you can do a little bit of watercolor making. If you want to try the making the glue shapes yourself, we brought the paper and the glue also. I didn't do circles because we didn't have any lids that we weren't using, so I just made all kinds of squiggles. So I encourage you to try out some squiggle art to give that a go, to take a minute to like let your poor little fried nervous system just have some fun. You deserve to have fun. You need to have fun. You very seriously need to have fun. <laughs> and it's important that we think about what else we can do, right? It's all well and good for us to practice being a little more fle flexible, vital, in fact. But we're not all of the people who need things. And in fact, our presentation today on mutual aid is one of the things we can do to help as many people as possible in our community have the time and space to think and dream and feel. We can also use our organizing capacity, lean into our ethical culture history of labor rights activism. We can get back into working against child labor because, hey, they're bringing it back for some reason. And I say bringing it back as if they haven't been illegally using child labor for probably the whole interceding time. However, in many states across the country, you will see pushes for decreasing the age at which a child can begin to work, pushing it down 12. That doesn't give space for that developmental time. And ethical culture has a history of pushing for child labor laws that protect children that protect that time for dreaming and creating and growing and thinking. We can work to increase fair housing in our cities, to increase fair housing in our communities. Hell, if we had more money, we could work to buy some housing that we could rent to people at fair prices. We can work to ensure fair pay we can petition and protest and join in movements that say it is important that everybody makes enough money to live. We can support the writer's strike and when our agriculture workers go on strike. And listen, there's a lot of strikes to be had, friends. And we can support them. We can also do little things like being kind to people when we interact with them in their workplaces. Like remembering that the people who work at your favorite coffee shop, at the bagel place you like, 
at your favorite restaurant or favorite hobby shop. Your congregation are all just people doing their best, trying to live into the next day. We can remember that each other, all just people, people who have whole lives that are opaque to us on most days, who are not always their best selves, but are always worthy of care. We can remember that even the people we like least, the people who grate on our nerves or propose policies into the world that make us disgusted, are still people who deserve a house and some food and some time to create something, even if they don't deserve a position of power. We can take a breath. We can show up. We can learn to be flexible and creative and come up with things I couldn't hope to imagine on my own. Because when we do creativity together, it magnifies, right? When we do it in community, it's not just, ah, I, a creative genius, have had an idea. Listen, I'll be that, that's fine. <laughs> But you too are creative geniuses, whether you think of yourself as a linear, logical person or the artsiest person in the room. You too are a location of creative force in the world. It's part of what you get for being a bunch of very haunted molecules, for being something vibrating so hard that you get to create too. It's one of those neat things about being a person. I hope you'll join Caitlin and I for a little bit of art after platform and that you will give yourself when you can time to rest and breathe and stretch your brain. That when you feel yourself wanting to get into a pointless fight on the internet, you will stop and maybe do some art instead. When you feel yourself wanting to get into a pointless fight at home, with your family members maybe, with your friends in our community, that you will stop. You will stop and you will say, I remember that this person in front of me is somebody and that I am somebody too. But you will take a break, take a breath, hang out with a flower and then come back and create something new together. Because you can, because we could, because what if it was nice to be alive? Thank you. Thank you, Casey. As always, you gave me a lot to process, a lot to think about, a lot to be about. 
In a few minutes, we'll have our community sharing time when you can write into the chat or share in person about what resonated with you in this platform. While we listen to today's musical response, you might prepare by reflecting on a personal experience or an activity at West that the platform brings to mind. This is the time when we add our own voices to the morning, sharing our reflections on the platform or what resonates with our personal experience. 
For online participants, I invite you to share in the Zoom chat or in the comments if you're watching the recording later. If you're here in person, you can come to the microphone here on the floor. Uh, the recent experiment of limiting microphone comments to two minutes seems to be working well. So I will again let people know when 90 seconds have passed and that they should try to wrap things up. Let me start by checking to see what our online participants have uh, to say this morning. Uh, Judy Ohms is fabulous platform and I didn't know David Mallett wrote that song. Uh, Joe Klein, amazing platform. I loved it and have many things to say, but to pick one, I would just offer a recommendation for the book, Rest is Resistance, a Manifesto, which I just listened to, came across it in my Thai group. It taps into one of the themes of the platform, which is the exhaustion of living in capitalism and grind culture, and the need for rest as a way to give your brain a break and a form of resistance to the dominant culture. As someone who is achievement focused and also these days is pretty tired because of his hands is at everything, it was an amazing read, real food for thought. And uh, somebody in the social hall, I don't know who social hall is, but says, I did not expect way more Tetris and Candy Crush during traumatic events. Uh, Judy Holmes says, as you noted, Perry, there is much to process. So while people are processing online, looks like we have a couple people ready to share with us here. Peter? Yeah, hi, my name is Peter, he, his, him. Uh, here we have uh, where people meet to seek the highest. And when we're doing that, and we're talking to one another, it is not always a pointless argument. But there, I... I absolutely agree with KC that uh, too much of our present society does encourage us to enter into pointless arguments. But we, in our tradition here, we actually try to teach each other and we try to learn, we try to live a life where we are not, when we talk to other people, we are not engaged in a pointless argument. And so even I, when I comment on the comments section, I've tried very hard not to make it be a comment that is a pointless argument, okay? And however, I've, I really do not comment very often. Um, so I guess uh, that was mainly what I wanted to say, thank you. Uh, good afternoon, Jeff here. Um, <clears throat> What struck me about your platform, well, many things, but the one comment I'll make is about uh, useless arguments. <clears throat> you don't need to go online to do that. Um, in fact, I had a situation, uh, it happened last uh, November, and um, I restrained myself from getting into a nasty, pointless, and possibly dangerous and costly argument. Uh, first Sunday of November, I indulged my equinology uh, yearnings and I go up to a large show at the Montgomery County Fairgrounds in Gaithersburg. I collect railway memorabilia and usually people of my age cohort, cohort that is, uh, I mean 
they're all white and they're usually male, which means they've got graying hair, they wear glasses, they have beards, and since it's November, they're wearing flannel plaid shirts and jeans. It's really difficult to tell people apart. Um, except that there was this one guy and he was wearing a t-shirt that said, I believe in diversity, and it had the rainbow colors on it. Yeah, except that the rainbow colors were silhouettes of AR-15s. Uh, and I got really angry. Uh, and you're right, when you're angry, you think you know best. In fact, yours is the only opinion that matters. And by golly, I'm going to make my opinions known to this guy. And I was about to do it, and I said, now, now, wait a moment, Jeff. I mean, you know, he's not being loud, and he's not being abusive. Does he have the right to his opinions? Yes, he has the right to his opinions. Does he have the right to express his opinions? Yeah, absolutely, he does, just like you do. So before you go and do this, just think that if it gets into a fight, you might find yourself crashing into tables of rather rare railway memorabilia, not to mention original dining car china, which would mean I'd have to pay for it, which I can't afford. And so I basically walked away from that um, and concentrated on more important questions like, will I ever find a copy of the official guide to railways from the year 1937, which I still haven't done. The shirt still pisses me off though. So now we know what's on Jeff's wish list, everybody. <laughs> uh, our, I think there's some people in, in line ahead of you. Comment, I don't have a beard. Not yet, Art, not yet. <laughs> I'm Julie, she, her. Um, when I think about creativity, one of the things that I think about is the tremendous gift to our community that is Leah Morris. Um, she is such a talent, and we are so lucky that she's engaged with us and she brings amazing music to our platform. And I just wanted to acknowledge her. Hi, I am Dana. I use she and they pronouns. Also love Leah. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to say I really appreciated this platform. Seems very timely. I am also very tired and <laughs> really need to carve out more space for creativity. Um, but I also want to say the Tetris thing, unfortunately, not really true. The, uh, the viral tweet thread was very popular, and um, there's a very helpful article that talks about how it's not... Yeah, I mean, the, the main thing was they took people that didn't actually have trauma, watched a video that simulated trauma, and then, anyway. So it would be great, and also, you know, games are awesome, but maybe not as magical as, as we were led to believe by people who should know better. Um, but yeah, and I also wanted to just say yes. Mutual aid is one of the ways in which I have been able to be creative during this three years of not being able to do things in the normal ways that we have been used to doing things. And um, yeah, the pandemic's not over, no matter what anyone tells you. So we got to keep doing it.
So I often find myself wondering when I hear about the the Tetris is useful or um, I play a lot of phone games. I love phone games. But uh, I wonder, well, what did people do before phones? You know, if you were sitting around bored, and I remember when I was in high school, um, we waited in lines, me and my group of friends, and there weren't smartphones then. And we played games with each other. And for uh, um, using phone games during uh, uh, traumatic flashbacks, you know, I wonder whether kind of mechanical creating, like for instance, sitting down at a loom and passing the shuttle back and forth, it's got that back and forth thing, it's very repetitive, but at the end of it, you have a piece of cloth. So I wonder if, I'd be interested to know how, what that result would be. Thank you. I see a few more comments have come in online. Uh, Judy Ohm says, what I thought about Tetris is that it allows the brain to put things in order. Uh, Laura DeShulo says, yay, Leah, seconding, seconding the uh, motion from Julie. And Roberta Geyer says, I love that Tetris has more value than wasting time. Loved this platform and it reached a deep chord in my heart. I am sorry to miss your making experience. The Greek word for art is techna, making. The arts are making. So thank you to all who shared your thoughts and attention. Just as we share our perspectives in this community, so too do we share our resources and gifts. Here at West, we split all undesignated gifts in the Sunday collection between our operating budget and a fund dedicated to justice and compassion. This month, we're doing something a little different, maybe a little creative, sharing not with an organization, but with our dear friend and community member, Balthazar Ayala. As many of you know, Balthazar and his family have provided custodial services to Wes for more than 35 years, and he recently suffered a big financial hit with the theft of his truck, tools, and other items. An appeal for direct support to Balthazar was sent out two weeks ago, and you're welcome to contribute to that again today or to today's collection to be shared between him and Wes's operating budget. Let's all take a moment to prepare to respond to the invitation to generosity as we are able. To donate online through the Simple Give system, text an amount to 202-335-1885, go to tiny.cc slash westgives or click on Give on our website, ethicalsociety.org. To donate in person today, just place cash or a check in the basket on the back of the hall on your way out. And of course, you can always send a check by mail. Thank you for your generosity. We will now receive your gifts and the gift of music.
Thank you so much to the many people who helped to create this morning's time together. Staff members Indara Miles, Robin Kravitz, Tamana Barangi, Maceo Thomas, and Leah Morris, who provided some of today's music herself and curated the contributions from others. And our essential volunteers on the platform production team, the tech team members, slide artists, Zoom chat usher, and in-person greeters, whose names you'll see on the closing credits slide. At the conclusion of the platform, please join us for social hall, e social hour, either here or via Zoom. Uh, first though, I wanna mention a few things upcoming in the life of our community. As Casey mentioned this afternoon, uh, from 1230 to two, uh, Dana Pope will be leading a workshop on mutual aid. In keeping with this month's themes of creativity and care work, the workshop will be a discussion of what mutual aid currently looks like locally and how we can continue to build something that will equalize power and meet people's needs beyond the bare minimum. Next week's platform will be our annual observance of Founders Day. Please contact the West office if you can help make that day extra special for us all. Um, I don't know if this counts as extra special, but by the way, I happen to know that the West Chorus will be providing most of the music. Uh, definitely special is West's unique status as a member of both the American Ethical Union and the Unitarian Universalist Association. So I want to remind you that that means that we need delegates to represent us this summer at both the AEU Assembly and the UUA General Assembly. Please see West President, Board President Trang Duong for more information on those opportunities. <coughs> Excuse me. As part of this year's assembly, the AEU is offering multiple online events on restorative justice starting on May 31st and continuing through June. Registration for those events is open on the AEU's website as it is for three upcoming AEU board listening sessions on imagining the future of the AEU. Uh, and as a reminder, on Memorial Day weekend, we have the return of the West camping trip. You can get more information on that from Abby. That's it for my announcements today. As always, you can find information about opportunities to connect in the weekly news and notes email and on the calendar page of Wes's website, ethicalsociety.org. Thank you all for being part of Platform today, whether in person, via Zoom, or watching later. Leah Morris will now introduce us to our new Song of the Month for May. Good morning, Wes. This Song of the Month was written by Melanie Damore. And the refrain, We'll sing first and then we'll bring in the verses and build it up together. They say yes, they say all right, they say yes, all right, all right, they say yes. They say yes, they say all right, they say yes, all right, all right, they say yes. They say yes. They say, all right, they say, yes, all right, all right, they say, yes. Hold your head up and say, say, yes. Keep your heart wide open and say, say, yes. 
Seek the light and let it shine. All right, all right, all right. Say, say yes. Say, say all right. Say, say yes. All right, all right. Say, say yes. Say, say yes. Say, say all right. Say, say yes. All right, all right. Say, say yes. Keep your mind straight and say, say yes. Don't you hesitate and say, say yes. Hold the line, we are right on time. All right, all right, all right. Say, say yes. Say, say all right. Say, say yes. All right, all right. Say, say yes. Say, say yes. Say, say all right, say, say yes, all right, all right, say, say yes. Say, say yes, say, say all right, say, say yes, all right, all right, say, say yes. Say, say yes, say, say all right, say, say yes, all right, all right, say, say yes. Say say yes, say say yes. A few last reminders before we leave. If you are new to our community, please send an email to our membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas, and introduce yourself. For those who wish to socialize online to reach virtual coffee hour, Point your browser to tiny.cc slash westcoffeehour. Now I invite you to join me in our closing words for the month. Let us go into the week ahead with compassion, understanding, and commitment, caring for ourselves, each other, and the world around us, while celebrating and developing the creativity which is our birthright. Again, thank you all for joining today's platform. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.